I'm McKinney Smith. After going through a divorce, my sister passing away, experiencing narcissistic abuse, and some significant health scares, I realized through sharing my story that I wasn't alone in my suffering. Suffering, subjective distress generated by the experience of being out of balance. In a deep dive to holistically heal mind, body, and soul is where I discovered peace, clarity, and connection. It is impossible to be truly wise without some real-life hardship, and we cannot develop post-traumatic wisdom without making it through, and most importantly, through it together. Social connection builds resilience, and resilience helps create post-traumatic wisdom, and that wisdom leads to hope. Hope for you and others witnessing and participating in your healing, and hope for your community. A healthy community is a healing community, and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. Thank you for joining us on the Heal Her podcast, H-E-A-L, Honor, Elevate, and Love Her podcast formerly known as the Iwaka Mycelettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show globally, where we have conversations with extraordinary women on their journey towards wholeness and harmony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. As a certified mindset coach guiding women towards peace, clarity, and connection within, supporting the direction of the system toward wholeness, my goal here is to help you thrive. Dean and Nikki Samuels founded BKBQ, Black Kings, Black Queens, a Black not-for-profit that caters to the emotional and physical needs of Black women, men, and youth in Canada to push past their pain and into purpose. Using his strong business acumen and passion for humanitarianism, founder Dean Samuels identified an intense need for programs that cater to the advancement, rehabilitation, and rebuilding of the Black family structure. Pairing his background in music production and Nikki's professional expertise and passion for children and education, together they seek to create and establish a business model that provides resources to the Black community and supports other Black-led community groups and projects in the greater Toronto area. So please welcome to the show, Dean and Nikki Samuels. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? <laughs> Thank you both so much for agreeing to come on the Heal Her podcast. And I I want to, I'm going to edify you guys before we even start, because I feel like the three of us were on an episode of the Dear Future Wifey podcast, yep. and we shared vulnerable parts of our story, parts that some people may not have been comfortable being so open with. So I totally appreciated both of you. And as a couple, I saw things and heard things that made me want to share more of your story and your journey. One, because I felt Nikki for that experience, I felt like your voice wasn't amplified enough. And as a woman who loves to amplify the voices of other women, I wanted to make sure that you had a chance for your voice to be heard during this conversation. And for Dean, because you showed vulnerability during that conversation, you showed a lot of transparency that some men may not have been as comfortable uh, sharing. So I wanted to have you both on so we can expand on that that topic and talk about your healing journeys. All right, let's go. 
<laughs> so typically what I like to do before we get to, you know, where you are today or how you got here, I like to learn a little bit of the backstory because a lot of us are really, you know, these adults walking around with trauma responses from our childhood wounds, <laughs> you know, things we experience in our childhood that affects who we are today. So before society started to shape you and have an impact on who you are and who you've become, I love to find out a little bit of the backstory of who you wanted to be you know, as a child. So um, I guess let's start with that. Like, what did you want to be when you were little? What did you want to be when you grew up? And what were you like as teenagers? Okay, so I'll start. As a kid or as a child, I actually wanted to be a police officer. Oddly enough, I thought I was going to be the best one on the block. But um, (laughs) as I got older, I became more fearful of pets and animals, dogs specifically. And I knew that on the force, I would have to deal with these animals. And so I was like, it's not going to be for me in this lifetime. But um, yeah, then I tried to do a little bit of flight attendant. Didn't go that way either. And, you know, now I'm a teacher. Okay. Okay. And what about you, Dean? Uh, To be honest, when I was a child... (laughs) I thought I was going to be the first person to invent the flying car. <laughs> That's what I always wanted to do. I don't know why. It never happened. <laughs> it didn't happen. As I began, when I when I grew up or became a teenager, I, that's when I got heavily invested in music. And actually, it's the thing that saved my life. And I've been on a journey with music ever since. Like in some way, shape or form, music is going to be a part of everything that I'm doing because it's the thing that keeps me grounded. Right. So, yeah. Okay. So for the both of you, based on what you wanted to be when you were younger, how do you think that's connected to who you are today? Honestly, for me, it's someone that does things to a high degree. So when I was a kid, there was no such thing as (laughs) flying cars. Right. And um, now in my adult ages or years, I do things that I don't particularly see it forced me to think big, right? Because I used to say that and people would be like, there's no way, there's no such thing as a flying car. There'll never be a flying car, right? And so I go out and try to do things to the best of my ability and make them be as big as possible. Mm-hmm. Right? That, that's think think about that. Like, okay, so the, the, the Wright brothers who invented the airplane, remember how people mocked them because they they thought yeah. like well, what are these two kids <laughs> doing playing around you know what yeah. i mean so oftentimes our vision that's been given to us other people may not see it but it's for us to make that a reality for people to actually believe in yeah. right right what about you nikki for me i think when it came to thinking about being a police officer it was that sense of responsibility and just like taking care of people And so because I didn't become a police officer, I kind of groomed myself to be well with children. And so I had this like love for children and I noticed they always gravitated towards me. And so as a result of that, I took um, early childhood in school. Mm -hmm. And then from that, I went up to teacher's college, which then shaped my love for just working with kids and being, you know, protecting them throughout the day and that sort of thing. And let me tell you, she is like the best mom in the world. Uh, mom, I love you, but Nikki, don't, don't get it twisted. Like this girl, she's, she's, no, she's, she's different, you know? She's different. Like, different. Like, and, and I love that. So, like, Nikki, you as Dean's wife, he is saying out there, like, no shade, mom, but my wife is the best mom, right? 
<laughs> so if, if we think about our, our own parents or our caregivers, they are often our loudest fans or critics. I would love to know prior to your marriage and edifying each other, where did you receive praise from? Oh, I can start with this. Uh, my mom, man. So as a kid, I was told a lot. Cause I, I, was, I was in a lot of trouble, man. Like I, I, when I grew up, I realized, okay, I, maybe I was a little bad, right? But my mom would always say, "It doesn't matter what anyone says over you or says to you; it's what I say." And I say that you are this. I say that you are loved. That you can be anything you want to be. I say that you are able to do this, right? Um, I was told a lot. Uh, I'm not going to amount to anything. I wouldn't. I, I would never see a certain age if I could keep down this road. This would happen. Um, I'm no good. All that stuff going through school, they 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 tried their best to give me the learning disability uh, title. Um, my mom was just like, "No, no way, no way." And I, I, it was funny. I looked up, you found one of my report cards the other day, and I was like, "Shoot, I was smart." Oh. <laughs> like, I, was, I forgot I was smart, man. <laughs> but honestly, there were times where I would feel like, you know, obviously, your kid, you hear a lot of things a good amount of times. Over time, it's gonna do some damage, but my mom would be like, you know what? No, you are this. But I even found myself to this in this day and age, because of what was said over my life, trying to do things certain ways that not aren't necessarily the best way, but it's just how I coped with it. What about you, Nikki? I think for me, it would have been my mom and my dad. I was the last of all of my siblings. So I'm the baby of the family. And so I kind of just got that love from everybody. But my parents were both always in my corner. So whatever it is I wanted to do, they would always support me through it. I was pretty much a calm, collected type kid. I never really gave trouble. So I just kind of went with the wind. Just And they encouraged me through it. Like, if you want to do this, you can do this. Let's apply for this. Mm-hmm. Let's go for this. And they always kind of pushed me in that way. So I had the support of my parents. See, you were both very fortunate to have supportive parents. You know, we hear a lot of stories of people that didn't get that at home because their parents were going through their own traumas or you know right. their own issues. So that is beautiful. Is that what inspired you guys to start the Black King, Black Queens podcast? To be honest, starting the BKBQ podcast came to be when we figured out that there's so much people suffering in silence. So what happened was we went through something that rocked our world, turned us upside down. Right. And a whole year we held it in to ourselves and just like, you know, immediate family members. But it began to eat us up. And I was like, we need to have an outlet because the more I talk to people is the more I realize that there are more people that are dealing with things kind of like this or along the same lines of this. I was like, you know what? Somebody has to use their voice now and, and, and speak about this thing and going through it as a married couple how it changed everything, right? Mm-hmm. So it just needs to be talked about. And I wanted to give us a platform to, you know, use our voice. So this is the voice behind our messaging mm-hmm. and behind our story, right? And we just want to get it out there. And that's, that's, that's I how it that. I love it. I love it. Uh, what I love. So when you guys were on the Dear Future Wifey podcast, you shared about some of your past losses. So if you could give the synopsis for those that are listening today, what <sighs> happened what you experienced all right okay so what happened was we got involved with an investor and uh, we were investing our money things were going good first couple months and then things took a turn and long story short we got robbed 
$500,000. Just wow. over $500,000. Um, and the thing is, we would have never known if Nikki didn't decide to just get involved. Like something wasn't sitting right with her. So she did some investigating and found some stuff out that, shoot, we were being lied to for months. <laughs> One, mm-hmm. like money was supposed to be growing. All of a sudden, we can't take out any money, anything. Like it was just gone. Like there was, it was gone, right? And um, there's actually a whole case going on with that thing right now, and it it rocked us. Like because what happened was that happened immediately after we had two miscarriages and wow. three weeks before our rainbow berry baby was born. Yeah. Wow! So three weeks before our rainbow baby was born. One week after we closed on a house. Keeps going. <laughs> wow. like, you can't make this up, man. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, I'm sorry that you guys even had to experience that. You know, what you said about you wouldn't have even known if it wasn't for Nikki. Like, thank God for a woman's intuition. Like that, that discernment when we follow it. Yeah. <laughs> when we follow it, right? Wow. So so many, so many losses in such a short amount of time. And when you share that story on the Dear Future Wifey podcast, you pointed out how Nikki made you feel throughout that, how she made you feel supported and no less of a man through that. I wanted to highlight that because I think it's important, one, to talk about actually how a man feels. Like There's so much focus on how women feel or how women are treated and not enough focus on how things make men feel. Mm -hmm. And society, culture has kind of conditioned men to hold all their feelings inside until they bottle up and explode. Um, So I thought it was beautiful how you shared how Nikki made you feel throughout that experience. And I I guess I wanted to speak to Nikki's, I guess, perspective of the situation because, you know, you guys went through so many losses. How has that impacted your relationship? On many different levels. (laughs) I don't even know where to start. But one thing that I can say is that it had a really positive impact on us in the end. Going through all of those scenarios, they all brought different feelings and different emotions and those sorts of things. But I think the main thing was that we kept strong for each other as best as we could throughout the, throughout the whole process. Um, and that we we saw each other more. We, we were listening to each other more. And I think we were there for each other a little bit more. Uh, and it brought us closer together. I, you know, despite all the hurt, despite all the things that we were feeling in between, there it mm-hmm. really brought us together. It wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. It's still not easy, mm-hmm. but <laughs> we're pushing through. And the best part is that we're pushing through together. And so we're going through the storm together. We're weathering it together, and we're gonna make it out to that sunny day together, just like we did with our rainbow baby. Yep. She brings us so much joy each day, and so there's hope. And I I feel like that's what stuck out to me about your story, the the level of support and um, partnership that you guys have. And there are some relationships, no matter how healthy they are, if something that drastic happens, it's detrimental to that relationship. But it brought you two closer together. You know, I'm a sucker for love. So I got emotional when you guys were telling that story. And now I'm like trying to hold back my tears because I'm I'm a big girl. I got this. (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, like, can I say something? Like, yeah, something? like, what shifted in that moment was when I began to worry about how she was doing and she began to worry about how I was doing. So what happens in situations like this, it was easy to be like, 
no, I gotta make sure I'm good. I, I gotta make sure I get the money back for the family. This that, right, right, right. and then I would, I you go off into your own world, yeah. and you neglect the very thing that loves you. Even just last week or something, yeah. you got something, and we got we realized, you know what? We gotta put each other first, and by putting each other first, it made a huge difference, man. Like now we're just like, no, it doesn't matter what comes because we know what it's like to be at the bottom together, yeah. and. and Exactly. We we make jokes like, hey, man, look at us, man, broken in love. But at the end of the day, like what 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 keeps me going is knowing that I have my wife in my corner, like that she's rocking with me no matter what, and that changes everything. Like yes, it takes the burden off of my shoulder, knowing that she supports me the way that she does, and she looks at me as the king. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, all right, queen, like, God, you trust me forever. <laughs> trust me. Like, there, there were dark days. Like, there were dark yeah. days where I even had um, suicidal thoughts and I, and I kept it from, from Nikki because I was just like, you know what? I don't want to say this to her because we're already going through all of this and we got the kids and we got this. So I didn't want to burden her with that. But it got to a point where I had to speak up. <laughs> Babe, like, these thoughts are just in my head like it's not that i was gonna do it but the fact that i was thinking about it yeah, yeah. really rocked my world because i'm a very confident guy and i'm just like nah, don't never be me but i started thinking about it in my downtime i was like you know what i gotta i gotta tell my wife and it just goes to show there's a lot of people that can't say that to their spouse right yeah we built that relationship where i can go to her with everything so i feel like even with everything that happened, we had to build a firm foundation, not only with our business, but with each other. Yeah. And that's what turned everything around, right? Or wow. is turning everything around, right? So, yeah. What, what, what I heard from what you guys said just now was a total beautiful thing because it's, so there's a, a relationship coach um, we met years ago. He's been married for like over 25 years. His name's David Barres and he's like a, a faith-based relationship coach. And he talks about how every day him and his wife, like the objective is to basically please each other. You yeah. know, her focus is to how she can make his life better. His focus is how he can make her better. And he says, you know, he, he is reborn every day. He dies, you know, of the, of, you know, I can't even explain it in the, the yeah. words that he does, but basically how he is able to recreate himself every day to be a better husband. Yeah. yeah to his wife so i guess you know they've been together almost 30 years how, how long have you guys been together four okay four, four and a half almost <laughs> okay 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 right. we're young in this we young, <laughs> young in this game <laughs> so what would you guys say has been the foundation of your relationship god i think it was god but in the reality the real foundation of our marriage was us at first like you know, we were so heavily invested in this. Now we gotta do what we gotta do and whatever, blah blah blah. Oh, we're gonna get this. Good, good, good. Let's get it. And when everything came crumbling down, we were humbled. And mm. and it was like God was just like, You guys are not about to do anything without me. <laughs> so let me tell you how this works. Mm. I am the foundation. Mm-hmm. So it brought us on our knees. So it brought us on our knees when we lost our second child. So when we lost the first one, the doctor was just like, Oh, it's okay. It hurt, but it was like, all right, you know, this happens, this is normal. When we lost the second one, I don't think I've ever cried like how I cried <laughs> during that whole process. And I remember praying over um, my wife. I was like, you know what? This woman will never be a tomb again. Got pregnant with our, 
our fourth child, so which is Harmony, our second baby now, almost lost her. And it, wow. it's like, we've been on this, okay, God, only God can do it journey. And then what happened was things began to get crazy. I'm talking about, man, we were getting, money was coming in like, like on an all-time high, left, right, and center. I thought about $100,000 days. Like, it's coming in big. And we were just like, we're good. <laughs> we could do this, 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 this. Oh, man, I'm about to be on private jets. Do violence. <laughs> and let's go. God's like, all right, you bleep. Come back down. And we're just mm-hmm. like, oh, no. Oh, no. We ran from, from that. We came outside of that covering and started to focus again on us. All right. So what that did was, okay, God, we really cannot do anything without you and he is legit leading and directing this marriage now to the point where it's you know what like i listen more because sometimes i'll, I'll get it by i'm just like you know what? let me just calm down god like, who's popping <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> but uh like, so he's our foundation right now like and that's just that's just what it is like i can't we we can't possibly do anything without him yeah. to the point mm-hmm. where when everything turns around at the core of our messaging has to be God. Like he made it so we can't even tell our story without saying he's the reason because yeah. we honestly don't understand. I can't I don't know how things are getting done right now. It's just getting done. We're <laughs> just yeah. like God is just getting it done. So it's like all right, like yeah. that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> you're being rewarded for it. I was gonna say what kind of kept us together too for those four years or four and a half four and a half years was also our friendship. And I think our friendship our genuine friendship kind of kept us together too. Cause even when you're weathering those storms, mm-hmm. you got to make sure that you actually really like that person throughout mm-hmm. it all. I look, I like you enough to fight for this. I like you enough to be here through this. And so our friendship really, really did that for us too, as well as God. Listen, I have goosebumps right now. Like whenever I get goosebumps, I'm like, yep, that's me getting in the spirit. Like I, <laughs> I, <Yeah>. love, <laughs> I love hearing how you guys have not only been able to find the glue within your relationship, but maintain the friendship, the support, the connection, because stuff like that, like I said, can be detrimental to someone else's relationship. I think part of what I also heard in there is that it, it sounds to me, and I don't know if Dean has always been that way, but presently it sounds to me like he's emotionally available. Like, you know what I mean? Not, not a lot of men are as open to speaking about their emotions. So I guess my question for you, Dean, is what did you learn about emotions growing up and how has that helped and or hurt you? To be honest, uh, emotions wasn't a thing. Like we come from a Jamaican background household, right? So it was, oh man, man provide and this and that and re, re, re. So we didn't, <laughs> we didn't have that. But it, honestly, I got in tune with my emotions through marriage because of marriage, man, because you got to in order for me to like give myself, I have to deal with certain things that I've gone through in life and ask myself, all right, why am I like this? Like, why do I react the way that I react? And I had to like, with all this process that happened over the last year and change, I was on a personal develop uh, journey, development journey and I didn't even know it. But mm-hmm. I would ask myself, who am I? Like, it, was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a point in time where Nikki would look at me like, I don't even recognize this guy because you always had an answer. Yeah. You know who you are. But I was like, who am I? Why am I the way I am? Like, why do I feel like this? What happened in my life? Like, so it's just mm-hmm. me going down that journey now because it's like, you know what? For us to thrive, I got to be like the best version of myself. I got to be as whole as I can be and like in tune with myself as I as in tune with myself as I can be. And I just went on that journey without even knowing it. But man, it, it took 
it was a lot, man. Like it because I, I had a lot of stuff that's inside me, even right now. And it's the the fact that before I looked at therapy, like I don't want to, I'll never ever do therapy. What's anybody gonna say to me? Are you crazy? No way. Now I'm just like, yo, we'll be doing it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, yeah. like, <laughs> there's so much things on the inside of me, like we we, we refuse to face and it just boils up and, and then you explode, right? So yeah. Getting in, getting in this uh, marriage, it's just like, you know what? In order for her to understand me, in order for me to be there how she needs me to be there, she has to understand me and understand what I've gone through. And because we were so close, like literally this, even before marriage, it's like we know each other inside out, man. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. She's the one person. There was nothing I hide from her. I hid nothing from her. Even when we weren't together and I was here, there, and everywhere, Nikki, I always had to keep it 100% real because she's the only person that actually threw me for me. And she'll, you know, we get in arguments sometimes. She'll be like, I know you more than anybody knows you. I know that's not, that's not even you. You don't even like, <laughs> relax. You're doing too much, big fella. Calm down. I know you. Like, relax. Like, <laughs> like I'm just like, who's she talking to? <laughs> But she, but she's right. She does right. know you, right? And you so know right. how much she knows yep. you because you know how much that mm-hmm. you feel safe to share with her. Yeah. Because, okay, so one, when you talked about this whole experience being a personal development journey for you, a lot of people, not just men, but a lot of people have a hard time being as reflective. They instead will project, right? Yep. So you asking yourself, like, who am I? Why do I act this way? Why did I go through mm-hmm. those things? That showed that you were not only ready for the healing journey, but ready for the change. Yep. All change is uncomfortable at first, but I think the beauty of it is in having a partner where you feel safe enough to do that with, because not yep. everybody provides that space. Yep. Okay. So for you, Nikki, what, what beliefs and thoughts have helped you push through those tough times? Dean helped me a lot, actually. Um, I'm not a big talker, as you can tell. I don't speak much. I kind of keep everything into myself. And it was Dean who was like, you got to find an outlet. You have to be able to get it out because what good does it do staying inside? But again, coming from that Jamaican background, like my mom, mm-hmm. she's not a talker. My my dad, I don't even know if he talks either, but it's just like, <laughs> that's just how I was raised. Like you kind of keep your business to yourself because if you tell it to anybody else, it's going to go to every Tom, Dick and Harry type thing. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of what we went through, I never said a word of it to anybody. So when Dean said it on the Dare Future Wifey podcast, that was like the first time anyone that I was close to would have heard it. And so okay. I'm still waiting on my mom to say something, you know what I mean? <laughs> but like getting through those times, a lot of what I did was just like writing in my journal. And I wrote to myself, I wrote to an audience. I don't know who's ever going to read that, but that's kind of how I got through that and through talking to Dean and listening to him talk to whoever he talks to. And I'm kind of like, okay, I guess somebody else, you know, but I had moments where I had to, or my sister actually reached out to me recently and she asked me like, how are you feeling? And it was like really relieving or it it was a great relief to actually say it for the first time Mm -hmm. and not feel Mm -hmm. judged or not feel looked upon. And she was like, I'm so sad that you kind of suffered in silence. And I'm like, she's like, you didn't have to do that. And I'm like, but I felt like I did. Um, So that was hard. But now knowing that we have our podcast and we can speak out and just like, use our voices and knowing that other people are actually going through similar things and they also need that kind of accountability that that helps and it, it's making the process a lot more tolerable mm-hmm. I, I can totally understand how 
you know, sharing on the podcast or even just writing in your journal can be helpful and therapeutic because a a common thing that I've noticed, Mm -hmm. um, I've interviewed like probably almost like 300 people by this point between the podcast and and Instagram. And it's like the commonality is our pain birthed our purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, when we, when we share our pain, you know, our trauma drives us to find community. So when we hold it in and keep it to ourselves, we create this isolation where we feel like we're the only ones that have experienced this. Mm-hmm. But when we open up about it, it's always surprising to see the, I'm going to say the people, the community that we attract. Sometimes it's not even those who we expected. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> and, you know, sure. you have family that is, will say things like, how come you never told me or I didn't know this or what have you. Yeah. But sometimes I feel like, well, they didn't provide that safe space for you to even feel you could share right. that. Yep. And unfortunately, they don't reflect and be like, oh, well, wh- how, you know, what did I do? Yeah. Why this person didn't feel safe coming to me with that information? Totally relate with the two of you with, uh, especially Nikki, when you said certain things that you never shared with anybody, because mm-hmm. prior to me being the, I guess, the public person that I've become, um, I used to be extremely introverted shy, private, all those things. And um, when I was with my ex-husband before I had my son, which is my last child, Mm -hmm. I had a miscarriage and no one I knew knew that I was pregnant, much less miscarried. That inside, the first time I had shared that publicly was when I wrote it in my first book. So it was like, people were like, I had no idea. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I totally understand how that could happen. So I guess for Dean, obviously Nikki has made it a safe space for you to share your feelings where, where else other than with your wife, do you feel safe expressing your emotions? I don't, we talk about it all the time. It's funny, man. Like we're on a process of, in a process of building community, but in our reality, we just don't have it. Like we don't have the community that we can ourselves go to and be like, Hey, this is what's up. Like outside our pastors, like there's, and sometimes you don't want to bombard them because they're pastors. They got to deal with everybody's stuff. <laughs> so it's just like, man, like, hey, pastor, this is what's going on. But I'm not telling you all this because, like, you got stuff to do, right? But um, outside that, to be honest, like, we really don't really don't have that. Someone actually called me this week and I was like, we love what you guys are doing. Like, do you have a community? Like, are you building something? I just want to be a part. And I was like, honestly... Everybody may see that. That's why I'm like, social media is a facade. Because you might, we could do something. And it's a sold out event. Man. Like, oh, my God. But at the end of it, you come home, we're just like, we got to find our people. <laughs> like, and that's just, it is what it yeah. is. So like, it's, it, it's sad. It's probably shocking to people. But we, outside of us, don't really have that. And that's why our thing is, <laughs> our thing coming up. Was yo, it was just us. Maybe well, true. Maybe we might have spoken in our lives, but like, <laughs> well, honestly, it's legit been just us. Like, and I do a lot of pouring out, and like mm-hmm. people could say, "Yeah, well, they got me," but it's just like we don't actually have that. So yeah, yeah I get it. Keep it one hundred, man. Like we just don't, we don't have it. I get it a thousand percent. I find with social, not even just social, but in general, when you are, especially in a space where you're being vulnerable with your story and you're creating something, people will privately message and DM you their whole entire life and ask to be a part of something. And when you create that thing, it's like, okay. Um, And I've also found when you're in this space and you're building certain things that are helping other people to heal and pouring into other people, it's sometimes hard to find someone to pour into. 
Um, yeah. Sometimes even your own peers that are in the same industry, you know, it may be challenging um, to get that same level um, yeah. of, of connection that, that you're looking for, that you're, you know, giving to everybody else. It can be challenging. Yeah. I get it's tough still, mm-hmm. kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys both talked about, you know, Jamaican parents. And sometimes I find with culture, because I love my people, but there are so many things within, and it, it happens within every culture. There are so many things that are considered normal that are actually toxic. There are so many things that are considered normal that are actually traumatic. Mm-hmm. And to hear... I guess the difference in how your parents are, their parenting from how you guys presently are, what are some things that I guess you're trying to unlearn and relearn and then teach to your daughters? Just to be honest, just how we handled our, 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 our girls in our, um, in our community. Cause I grew up in a church and it's like guys were able to get away with so much, but girls had to suffer a lot. Like they were told they can't wear this, they can't do this, they can't do that. There's no biblical principle attached to that. It was just, this is the standard that we're upkeeping and this is that. If I say this, this is that. And um, I didn't see, especially like fathers and everything, love on their their daughters and be present with mm-hmm. their daughters. And yeah. it showed when the girls began to grow up and then go through their own things with guys and all that stuff. There was no sense of wisdom that could be taught to those girls like or or an example that they can look up to or even us that we could look up to for marriage like when we got married we didn't have marriage no one said anything but you'll get married counseling it was never a thing so many uncles and this and that but not one person was like you know what you gotta get marriage counseling so with me and our daughters i make sure they know every single day that they're loved but i, I speak words of affirmations over them it's funny man Always. it was the it was just so cute to me. Two days ago, uh, I picked Melody up from daycare. I was like driving. I'm like, Melody, you're a star. And she's like, huh? She doesn't even know what I mean. I'm like, Melody, say I'm a star. She's like, I'm a star. I'm like, that means you're great. You're going to do anything you want. You put your mind to. You could do it. So say, I'm a star. She's like, I'm a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. <laughs> I came home. We got home. Before she went to bed, I said, what did I say you are in the car? She's like, huh? I'm like, what did I tell you to say? Say, I'm a star. Like, I'm a star. I'm like, all right, bet. Boom. Went to bed. The next morning she woke up, we got dressed. We're heading out the door to go to daycare. She's walking out the door. She looks at me. She says, Daddy, I'm a star. I'm a star. <laughs> like, that's what it's about, man. Like, I'm like, I really want to know that although my daughters know that I'm here for them every step of the way. I, I start we started implementing so many things like in regards to like like them as being women, what like mm-hmm. people are supposed to do and not supposed to do with them, and they can come to me, can tell me. I, I say, hey, man, I'm going to believe you first, then go to, to, to everybody after. Yeah. I don't care. Like, you're right. <laughs> like, <laughs> until, until, no, because I'm developing that safe space. Like, yo, you can come to me, good, the bad, the ugly. Like, just tell me the God on the shoot. I don't care. I accept yeah. you, you. And that's that. You're going to know that I love you with everything that I have, man. man. And that's that. That's beautiful. Like, just building, like, actual <laughs> relationship with our children, not just be saying, oh, I'm going to provide for you. I provide for them. You know, that's that. We work hard and we're going to do a new thing. Like, mm-mm, no, <laughs> no, I'm talking with you guys, guiding you guys every step of the way. Like, I'm going to hold your hand to you. I was the first person to buy you flowers. I have it on video. But boy, come and do this. It don't mean nothing. Like, you know what I mean? 
this, this is the regular. This is the norm, all right? Like, yeah. So it's just like, yeah. Even from this young age, they're three and one. Shoot, I don't okay. care. They yeah, are learning it. now. Everything yeah. that they're learning now, they're going to absorb. And that's going to be a part of their subconscious of who they are yep. as they grow and evolve. So it's important for you to continue to instill those things in them, because, especially with the I am statements. Because I feel like, especially the people that I encounter, um, it's almost a challenge to get them to implement affirmations because yeah. they see that as frivolous, not yeah. realizing the importance of the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves yeah. and how that story that we're telling ourselves in our head over and over again. And some people are limiting themselves and are afraid to go after things that they believe or that they want because somebody else, like you said earlier, Dean, about a teacher or someone that, you know, says things to you that you can't become or that you're, you know, not going to succeed or there's enough negative voices out there telling us or trying to limit us. So having and instilling in them from young, the positive beliefs of who they can be and, you know, the, the endless possibilities is beyond beautiful. Yeah. It makes me think about, I think the example that you gave a, a while ago about, you know, our, our parents, you know, being providers and I guess their style of parenting versus who we are to them presently. And my kids grown adults now. So my son is 17. My middle child is 21, about to be 22. And then my eldest is 25. And they can be open to talk to me about anything. Like, I feel like there are other Jamaican parents or, you know, people in the community that are like, oh, she lets her kids say this or do this. Mm-hmm. For me, it's never been about control because I'm not yeah. trying to create, you know, minions or mini versions of me. God yeah. created them to be who they are. So it's yeah. it's allowing them to speak and it's allowing them. I've learned so much from my kids and a lot of people, you know, we were, I was raised in the children should be seen and not heard which is why I had a hard time learning to use my voice as I got older. My kids have a, have a mouth. <laughs> they use it. They're, they have to be respectful, <laughs> but they are allowed to use it. I want to hear how they think, how they feel. I want to hear those things. And there's yeah. so much that we can learn from them rather than trying to shut them up. And yeah. I guess the old school way of parenting. So I love hearing what you guys are doing with the girls. Nikki, I wanted to ask you, I guess, throughout this whole process of all the losses and, you know, you guys coming closer together and everything that you have, I guess, learned about your relationship, what lessons did you learn about having a healthy relationship with yourself during this process? Well, um, I think I'm still learning them. I just, I don't even know. I feel like just trying to believe in myself a little bit more. So I have a program or an initiative that I started earlier that I don't really push much, but it's also called Queens with Dreams. And through that, Dean pushes me so much. Like, honestly, I didn't even give it up for him. Like, Dean is an amazing father. Like, the relationship he has with these girls is just like, I'm envious a little bit because like... (laughs) Oh, daddy, daddy, guess what I did? You know what I mean? I'm your mom. You should be telling me this. But it's that reinforcement that he always gives to Melody every day. It's that, like, I love you. You're my princess. Like, da-da-da-da. And it's like, I never saw that growing up. So seeing him, this little guy who, you know, like, when, when people from high school... People from high school see Dean, they're like, I can't believe you became this person. So seeing or hearing that and seeing who he is, I'm like, 
that is beautiful. Like it is such a beautiful thing. And I'm so very proud of you mm-hmm. for, you know, just stepping into that fatherhood because mm-hmm. you're really killing the game out here. I'm pretty, pretty jealous. But <laughs> with Queens with Dreams, honestly, he pushes me so much for that. But I think I have a lot of apprehension just because I feel like if I start to use my voice a little bit, like what you said, it's it's tough. It's scary. Like mm-hmm. I, I didn't come from that. And so putting myself out there, it's like, okay, now everybody's going to be looking at me. Everybody expects an answer from me. And I'm, I'm going to feel like my toxic trait is going to make me shut down. And then here I am with this mm-hmm. big thing that I started and no answers for it. And so mm-hmm. I'm trying now to just get past that, that fear or that whatever that thing is that is hindering me from moving forward. And through Queens with Dreams, I want the messaging to be for women, mothers, anybody going through anything just to dream again and and find that in yourself and you can do it you know mm-hmm. a message for myself as well it's tough i'm still going through it but just learning to dream again mm-hmm. i love that and i a word of advice that i'm going to give to you that was given to me because when i was struggling so i tell you when they talk about i think it's like one of the second biggest fears and it's like a bigger fear than dying but public speaking is like (laughs) when i tell people that was like and it still is a fear of mine they're like but you do it every day that don't make no (laughs) sense i still do it i still have the anxiety i just i still do it (laughs) right so a piece of advice that was given to me years ago um do you guys know who bob proctor is yeah Okay, so Bob Proctor was one of my mentors. Yep. And I was in a room with him, his wife, Linda, and his daughter, Colleen. And they wanted me to stand up and introduce myself in a room of a bunch of influential people. And inside, I panicked and didn't realize that out of my mouth, I said, oh, shit. They heard me. So afterwards, Bob's daughter, Colleen, pulled me aside and she wanted to know, like, what is my fear of speaking in front of a crowd, in front of people? And I said, I don't know. I just feel like everybody's looking at me. It makes me nervous. I don't I don't like it. And she said, I'm projecting the energy from there onto myself here. That's what I'm focused on. When we shift our perspective of anything, it can completely change it. And she said to me, if I take my perspective and shift it from the value that I have to share with them, the gifts and inspiration that I have to give to them, instead of how they are viewing me, then the feeling becomes a little bit different. So every time I have to go on stage... I panic. And I don't just say that as just like to say I panic, like I have a Fitbit on. And the last time I was on a big stage and I had to do a keynote by myself, my heart rate was at like 156 or something. And I was like, maybe I should be going to the hospital right now, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna go do this. And I had to keep telling myself that I am sharing with them the word that they need to hear today. I had to completely um, use the affirmations in my head that, you know, I'm being an impactful speaker, all of those things to shift the perspective from them onto me into what I have to give onto them, you know, in terms of being of service. So that has helped me. Hopefully that advice will, will help you as well. Thank you. Wow. And I guess I have, before we go to the final segment, I have one more, I guess, question for Dean Mm -hmm. because Whenever I have an opportunity, because I'm a very curious person, but whenever I have an opportunity to ask deeper questions to men, I go all in because 
I don't get that often. But <laughs> so, okay, so to you. <laughs> because of the culture that we grew up in, because of the society that we presently live in, yeah. it's placed all of these conditions and uh, boxes around men. For you, how do you define what it means to be a man? That's good. Honestly, man, um, I can go by what I, I've seen and what I believe to be a man is somebody who is strong and confident in who they are. Like, I don't think a man that says, yo, I'm going to provide and do this and all that stuff, but just is not good with himself isn't really a man. And I think to be a man, you have to face the fact that you got to face yourself. And then by facing yourself, you allow yourself to be the very best version of yourself. When conquering that is what you choose to do with that. Like how you operate through the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Um, being able to provide, obviously, being able to just be confident in who you are and how you respect people around you makes you a man, right? Right? Um, and then first, like, obviously, first and foremost is who I'm subjected to. Like, it's easy to say, yo, I'm this and I'm that, but who keeps me going, right? And that's being in tune with your the spiritual side, and that's God. Because without him, no matter how much of a man you want to call yourself. Before I said, yo, I'm a man. I was making this bag, Ray, Ray, blah, blah, blah. Then I got back down to a little boy stage, right? Because <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. But at the end of the day, your man is like, honestly, doing that soft work, um, realizing who your source is, and where, where your strength comes from, and um, just being the best version of yourself so that others can have that version of you and how you operate around everybody else man and that's Listen, that's that. need to bring that by out. example <laughs> bring that by out and example. make that a, a dictionary explanation somewhere right? <laughs> 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 wow. i've never been asked that in my life so that's wow. that's crazy <laughs> See, what i what i love is that okay so even though you guys may seem a little opposite in personalities because dean you're more vocal nikki you seem more of an introvert all those things at the end of the day we can't attract what we're not in harmony with. We can't, yeah. we can't, you know what I mean? We are, our partners are a mirror reflection of us. So even though you guys may seem through personalities as opposites, it's beautiful to see the harmony yeah. and the connection. Yeah. So before I get all emotional, let me, uh, <laughs> let's go to the final segment of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I want you guys to tell people where they could stay connected with you online, where they could learn more from you and about you, and then we'll go to the rapid fire. <laughs> All right, perfect. So my name is Dean Samuels. You can find me on Instagram, Dean Samuels underscore. And my name is Nikki Samuels, and you can find me at Nikki underscore S. That's N-I-C-K-Y-Y underscore S. And if you're looking forward to seeing what we're doing with the community and our not-for-profit organization, Black Kings, Black Queens Movement, you can follow us on Instagram at Black Kings, Black Queens Movement. And if you want to hear what we got to say, follow us on Instagram, BKBQ Podcast. If you want to follow us on YouTube, be connected to what we're doing with the network, follow us on YouTube. That's BKBQ Network, where we will be dropping all our latest podcast episodes, our show series, all that good stuff, man. That's where you get the voice of the unheard. And that's what we're trying to do. Okay, okay, okay. So I'll have all of those links in the detailed section below the episode so they don't have to search too far. They can just click and connect with you directly. Yeah, perfect. perfect. Thank you. No problem. Okay, so for the final segment of the show, it's kind of like a rapid fire. Um, You can answer one word or one sentence. 
I don't really like rules. I don't like to be put into a box. I'm claustrophobic. <laughs> so if you feel that you need to unpack, <laughs> you're right. free to unpack. All right. <laughs> okay. If you could create one law that everyone in the world had to follow, what would it be? Oh, my God. <laughs> one law. <laughs> What? Yeah, I'm like this is okay. Then hold up, wait a minute. Like everybody had to be treated equally. I was like, gonna say point blank period, and that's because I know that. We're, mm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, we're not, okay. Like so, like we yep. all got to be treated equally. Point blank period. No if ands or buts. No finessing. Okay. No none of that. Like period. On paper, off paper, all together. Like. <laughs> That's, that's good. I couldn't come up with the word equally, but I was going to say something along of violence. There can be no harm or violence done to another. I mean, that's a law, but I mean, people don't but like, abide by yeah, it. Yeah, but okay, forget it. So this law, there's no such thing as this. Like, this says. has to be a legit. Like, I mean, on paper, off paper, like, like that's like, fast. That's fast. Okay, okay. <laughs> if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere. With anything on it, what would it say and why? On it is going to be me and Nikki, 100%. And it would be something along the lines of what we're doing, like empowering the voices of the unheard. That's for me. Yeah, like, I would do something with our family. So mm-hmm. myself, Dean, and the girls. But I don't know what it would say. Okay. <laughs> well, this is some conversations that we had today and the unity and connection. And you guys basically like rebuilding that image of what a black, black healthy family unit looks like. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah. I'll take it. Okay. Name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. Atomic Habits. I love that one. James Clear, right? Yep. Yep. Atomic Habits is what got me started uh, with all of this. Like in that dark season, <laughs> I read the first three chapters and ran with it. I ran like, yo, three <laughs> months without even reading anything else. I'm like, I'm that's just true. implementing. Oh, <laughs> shoot. That's it. Like, be honest, man. I'm, I I got like three chapters left in the book. I didn't even, I just been like, reading and implementing. That's it. Like, <laughs> the, the beauty in that though, some people feel that you need to read a book from cover to cover. Sometimes you don't, right? Because mm-hmm. you're, you're taking from it what applies or what resonates or what you need, because sometimes the whole book may not be for you, yep. but there may be parts that you can implement immediately to make yep. changes in your life. Yep. I hear you on that. I hear you. Yeah. What about you, Nikki? <laughs> uh, with me currently reading Women Evolve, and I, just like you said, parts of the book. So in the first part, Sarah that I read, Jane, right? Yes. Yep. Yes. So parts that I read in the beginning, she's talking about Eve, and I was like, I've never looked at this woman this way. And she's kind of given me a feeling of grace towards her. And I'm like, it's, it's weird because we kind of look at her differently. And so yeah. that, that, that for me. Okay. Okay. See, as you can tell, I'm a reader. You guys named books. And I knew the authors. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> okay. Name one of the most worthwhile investments that you've ever made. And that could be of money, time, energy. Honestly, my biggest investment was us, was Nikki. Because from how many years ago? 2008 is when we first came in contact with each other. But from 2012 to this day, we've been, it's been every day. Like, it's been, like, I wouldn't trade that for the world. Like, like, you guys are just trying to get the waterworks out of me today. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, because it's different when, when you're with someone that legit sees you 
that your knows and accepts you for everything that you are, the good, the bad, the ugly. And people talk about it, you know, we say it, but to really be in it, like it's one thing to say, but when you get to your lowest and it's like everything she had dreamed for had come to pass and got snatched like that, to go through that with someone rooting for you, loving you through it all, forget everything else. Give me that. (laughs) that's, that's, That's it. Because at the end of the day, at the end of every day, I know she has my best interest at heart, right? So it's it's just it's it's everything. Like you can't you can't just you don't just find that. <laughs> like, yeah. You'll just stumble across that. So. <laughs> oh man, give me that. Give me that. Based on everything that you guys have shared throughout this entire conversation, I already knew that was your answer before I asked it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, give me that. Like, I'm like, what are we talking about? <laughs> okay so my next question is for nikki then what advice would you give your future self my future self to have confidence in yourself you've never really had a reason to not have that confidence and you've never really been put down and you've had all you've had an amazing husband rooting for you all the time you can do it so just go just yeah. do it. You miss 100% yeah. of the shots you don't take. So go for it. I love that. And it makes me think about, so I, I had a, a client who had this, this similar um, challenge as you. She, you know, had supportive parents, supportive people around her. There's never been anyone really that told her negative things that she couldn't do those things. But it was almost like that fear of letting those people down, those people that believe so much in you, living up to their expectations of you, where you feel like it's it's a challenge. So they they see your greatness. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, it's almost like you just don't want to let them down. That was her challenge. Mm-hmm. Not saying that's yours, just saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What do you guys want your legacy to be? Honestly, like I want to be known for someone that legit made a difference in the lives of everyone around them in some way, shape or form. Like I want to have a positive impact in every single life that I touch, like so or that I come in contact with. So whether it be helping that perfect person to choose purpose out of fi- over fear, like that's at the core of everything I believe in. It's that like I want to see people thrive in purpose because what? I, except for my story, losing everything and having to go through that trying year and change into figuring out who I was, I want people to figure out who they are and why they're here and what their assignment here on earth is, man. And, and if I can, if I can leave, if I, when I die, if people can say because of Dean, like I found purpose, like I found reason, I didn't jump and I kept going. That's it, man. Like that's 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 it for me. That's beautiful. Wow. wow. For me, I think just along the same lines, but with more of a connect to women and mothers and that sort of feel. Just because I feel like this motherhood journey has taken me through so many different areas that I was never exposed to prior to that. And so it's like a journey that I'm kind of going through alone, together mm-hmm. alone type thing. Um, as a female, like D's here, but like not many other women to like kind of talk about that sort of thing with. And throughout the process, you kind of lose faith in yourself and faith in things you wanted to do because you, your mind is so focused on other things and taking care of the family and making sure yep. the kids are okay. You kind of get lost in the sauce. And so, like I mentioned earlier, just giving women and, and mothers specifically an opportunity 
to just dream again, find that and and, and go for it. Mm-hmm. So I want to mm-hmm. be just like Dean said, that person who gave them that umph or inspired that that push that move. listen i can i can see why you guys love each other you guys are just beautiful people like <laughs> <laughs> i'm sitting here i'm like okay we can, we can get to the fun don't cry i'm a cry. <laughs> <laughs> i'm like oh they're so sweet <laughs> no man it's been a lot trust me, hey, trust me. <laughs> you guys have been through so much but it's just beautiful to see how you've pushed through and how you've built a stronger bond and a greater desire to impact and make change. Like, you know, it's, it's not about what you've been through. It's about how you, how you deal with it. And you guys are not only dealing, but you're helping others heal in the process. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you both. Just, you know, for your time, your energy, your laughs. I appreciate you both. And if there is anything that I could do to add value to what you're doing, I'd be more than happy to help. I just want our listeners make sure they go out and connect with you both, follow you both. Yeah, I think you guys are super dope. I feel like I don't even know. I'm like, are you guys millennials? I, I don't ever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> 1990, 1990, what up, though? <laughs> what up, though? <laughs> I didn't want to assume, but I was like, you know, I don't know if like a lot of other people have said this to you guys, but it's like for your generation, you don't see this as much and we need to see more of this it's common for the millennials to be labeled as more materialistic or care about you know instagram followers and you guys seem like genuinely into making the impact and helping others and just the the evolution journey you know the whole healing process so it's just beautiful to see oh thank you thank you thank you so much And to all of you healers out there, until next time, subscribe on all platforms. Don't to get there. I'm like stumbling with my words. I'm trying to hold in my blasted feelings. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. True. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) To all of you healers out there, until next time, don't forget to subscribe. Leave us a review, rate the show on Apple Podcast. You know, I just want to thank each and every one of you that continues to listen each week and help the show globally rank in the top 1.5% of most popular shows. And that's out of over 3 million podcasts. So thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And we want to hear what resonated with you from this episode. We want to hear, you know, what touched your heart. You know, were you as emotional as I was? Feel free to screenshot this week's episode and you can tag us on Instagram. You can tag Dean at Dean Samuels underscore. You can tag Nikki at Nikki underscore S. And that's the two Y's. And you can tag myself at the real McKinney Smith. A healthy community is a healing community and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. So let's continue to heal her.